You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. What up, everybody? And Kyle Pendigraft. Howdy. Uh, hey. Well, on this week's show, we'll recap the iRacing Pro Invitational, as well as many uh, more great topics, uh, and find out which Tifosi driver gets back-to-back NIS wins this week. And remember, guys, you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as we discuss everything that's on the show uh, for yourself. All the great topics and products we'll be discussing today, you can follow along on iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So we hope to see you there. Coming soon, Grid Finder 2.0, a complete overhaul to the better suit the sim driver's needs adding many new features to his already robust search functions including allowed controller types driver assist race length and whether leagues are currently recruiting the changes don't stop with the league page Gridfinder is also rebuilding the paint booth commentary box and the merchandise page the site is still fully functional as they work through the beta phase to make sure the Gridfinder 2.0 launch is as slick as the new logo Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. Gridfinder.com. guys we're going to start off with topics today and we're going to get some praise for vicente salas who was uh the winner of uh last week's richmond race at the uh, coke series uh he had a dominant performance and uh ryan kish of racer.com featured an online article on vicente salas after his dominant race uh, and uh you can check it out at uh the, their website which is uh racer.com racer.com and read the whole article about uh vicente and uh how he fared in his race last week yeah very interesting article uh, i like it because racer is covering sim racing not just real racing and this is a, a magazine really known for covering all motorsports uh so first of all i think it's really cool that they're covering coke but what i like about the article brian a lot is some of the quotes that we get from uh vicente Um, I'm going to read uh, one of them here. He said, on a racing level, I think it made things a little tougher because we've we've raced so much with Garrett Maines, uh, his teammate. Uh, He knows the way I race, the way I drive, and I know the way he races. Whenever we make a mistake, we each know the way to set up the move. We had each other. uh, We each had the run near perfect, so that he didn't get by me, or vice versa. And he was, if he was in front of me, I wouldn't have gotten by him. So, just interesting to hear some of the team dynamic. uh, You know, especially when they're running the same set. I mean, it's whoever's in front is probably going to win the race. Yeah, that's right. And Richmond uh, proved to be a tough track to pass on in general. But you know, if you're running a 
a fixed setup or identical setup as they were doing, um, it makes it even tougher because your car is not better in any particular part of the track. You know, you probably run in very similar lines. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to make that pass. And, um, you know, they, they, they both had, had awesome runs. And I just think with uh, Vicente in out in front, I just don't think there was any way that somebody was going to get by him. Yeah, led every lap. You know, think about that too. You know, uh, that's that's a rarity. Uh, other Coke news this week: uh, Kligerman East uh, Kligerman Sport, not eSport. It's, they renamed it. Uh, they tweeted out their latest edition of Mike Check after last week's Coke Series race at Richmond. This is kind of like the radioactive, where you hear the uh, conversations between the spotters and the drivers. And uh, we hear both spotters talking to both drivers on this team. Uh, it's an interesting two-minute uh, video uh, to give some insight about what they're talking about. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, it, it Because it's a Klingerman um, tweet, it's only with their two drivers. It doesn't go around the whole field like uh, you would see in, on the NASCAR uh, open mics uh, sessions that they do. But it's still... Um, I, I love how well they communicate with the spotters in these races. It, it sounds just like you would hear if you had a, you know, the season pass for NASCAR, listening to spotters and the crew chiefs talking to the drivers. I mean, it's it's virtually identical to what they do. Uh, it's really awesome to hear that, and it just goes to show you how much they put into these races. Yeah, and Brian, you just recently did some spotting for me, and. Uh... And we, I'm sure we sounded much like they did on this recording. Uh, I'd like to hope so, but I was pretty new to spotting. But um, it's it was it was a good time to do that. Yeah, it was fun. And you know those the apps that you use for that spotters either use the the uh, iRacing spotter or if you use something like Crew Chief or equivalent, they do they give you the inside and outside stuff like that, but they don't give you the other information that's going on around you. They can't tell you that a car's got fresh tires that's coming up on you super fast, and sometimes you don't you know you can't react to that fast enough uh, just by using a spotter that's telling you somebody's high or low. So um, that kind of thing. You know, you just can't get in these programs at this point, and it's something a real life spotter it can can really uh, make a big difference on how your race goes. Right, looking at the race as a whole, telling us what's going on with certain key people and and whatnot. Yep, they can do stuff like check what line a racer is running and tell you to try that line. Right. Yeah, there was a in your race, Mike. There was a there was a guy who was running right up by the fence, and uh, man, he he was really making up a lot of space, especially later in the run as the tires were getting old. And um, you know, I was letting you know that he was going up there and making up some serious time. And you know, I think he tried it a little bit, but your set just wasn't made for that. But it was, it was still good information to have. Yeah, yeah, we knew. I knew he was coming because you were feeding that info to me, and. Uh... Yeah, we tried it. It wouldn't work. <laughs> All right, guys. Next up, we got Tyler Hudson uh, staffer posted in the forums that he is taking schedule requests for the 87 stock cars, the uh, you know the NASCAR classic stock cars, the Silver Crown, the Super Late Models, and Tour Modified series for the upcoming season three. So, if you're interested in and in putting in your two cents about you know, what you'd like to see in the schedules in those four uh, series, you can submit it to Tyler um, Hudson. You have to use the downloadable template. 
that is found in the post that he he put in. You know, it's a um, it's a spreadsheet type of post that you can download, fill in with the what you'd like to see in those uh, series, and send it back to them, and they'll take it into consideration. Actually, it's um, all the series he's asking for. This was just a sampling. Um, instead okay. of putting down 35 links in your script, Brian, um, I just <laughs> grabbed about four or five of them just as a sample. But yeah, he literally posts in every single series forum. There's a forum list for every series. And uh, he basically puts in there, hey, you guys figure out a schedule and uh, let us know what you want. And we'll work with you on it. Okay, yeah, I missed that part. Um, yeah, because I just saw the one that you had posted in the script. But um, that's that's really cool where where you can start to uh, to uh, give your own input, try to try to you know try to get the tracks in there you like, and the and the uh, you you can even put times of days and stuff like that in there. Right, and we've seen Tyler work with the communities. You know, when other changes might be wanted, like. Oh, we got to make changes to the heats, or we should have less tires, or more tires, or less fuel, or more fuel, or um, you know that that those kind of things. We're at the we're I guess we're at the point now. If they're asking for these schedules, it's we're getting pretty far into the season here, um, so they can get that stuff ready. So it just means we're going. It's about the same time they do it every season, right? Yeah, yeah. We go over this every uh, ninety days, basically. Well, it's week. Uh... It's week six. We're exactly halfway through. So, yeah, that's just basically setting it up for giving them some time to work on it, right? And we're still getting hot patches. We got one today, and uh, it's halfway through the season already. Let's talk NASCAR, guys. Uh, you know, we're an iRacing show, but uh, I guess we're a NASCAR show when they go iRacing. So, um, it was a good race. I, I, I saw a good chunk of it there. Um, before the race started, though, uh, it was about who was going to get into the race after the, all the hubbub last time with Timmy Hill um, and not being, you know, losing a sponsor over, you know, not being able to run his sponsor. Um, they came out with some uh, different ways of filling the field, including a uh, vote. And so uh, they put up a vote, and uh, Raja Karuth was the. Uh, vote winner apparently and was invited to the eNASCAR Pro Invitational. Now I understand he was actually overseas doing Navy stuff as a, a Navy person and they had to uh, figure out a cockpit and screens and everything and a computer and ship it over there in time for him to get uh, in the race which was like four days later. So first of all what's your reaction to the fan vote was uh, are you surprised it was this guy? I mean, I voted Landon Castle. I don't know about you guys. Is it just because he's more of a, a mainstream name in the sim racing world, kind of thing? I think NASCAR was pushing his name though. Uh, even during the vote, I mean, they were they were putting his name out there. I, I, from what I saw, is this more to go with the drive for diversity stuff too, as well? Yeah, he's in the drive for diversity. Yep. And I, I guess to go to bring back to last week when you weren't here, Mike, we didn't understand that story uh, with uh, Timmy Hill and that he losing that sponsor, he lost that sponsor because he didn't get into that race. We didn't realize that that was that that was all about. He got to run the race, but it was a Penske paint job. Yeah, in the uh, in the Pro Invitational race, he took over for uh, Keselowski, right? Right. 
So he wound up riding Kazalowski's car in colors and his sponsorship. And I guess that didn't fare too well with his real life sponsors. Exactly. He ended up losing them and not going to this last uh, cup race. Do we know what the sponsor was at all? Like, did it con- conflict with what Keselowski's was? I don't think it was a conflict, but no, I don't remember who it was. Now, the next thing that was a surprise with the entry list was uh, Kevin Harvick uh, came out and put out a video. Hey, uh, we're going to put Keelan Harvick in the race. I don't know how old Keelan is. I would say eight or nine years old, maybe. Eight. Eight. So first of all, you get the the iRacers uh, immediately responding, hey, there's a there's an age limit in uh, iRacing. You have to be 13 or older to have an iRacing account, right? But they make exceptions, right? And wouldn't this be like the perfect opportunity for an exception as a, a young man like this who actually has racing experience? Saw a tweet recently that uh, Elliot Sadler's son is also running quite a, quite a bit uh, with a Class A license, I believe. Don't you think this could be like an opportunity where they could get some of the kids for like, I mean, Jeff Gordon's got a young son, you got Clint Boyer's son, you got Larson's son, like you could get a whole bunch of them put together and maybe make a, a younger kids league too in here to kind of drive some stuff. NASCAR you know? kids, yeah. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. cool, wouldn't you think? Also, yeah. a, pretty, a pretty simple criteria for the exception may be uh, you can join younger if you're you have a family member that also owns an account. I well, just think there's a lot more possibilities that way. I mean, Keelan obviously um, did pretty well, did he not? He did. He he showed well. He he ran well. I mean, he didn't get a finish to show for it, but I mean, what an opportunity for a kid. Let alone, you know, he's the son of a, a NASCAR superstar. But besides that. I mean, what an opportunity to be nine years old and to be in a race with all of the NASCAR guys. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. <clears throat> no, but the, during the show, they had a camera where they would show um, Kevin and Keelan racing. They were uh, had, you know, side-by-side cockpits about, you know, eight feet apart. Um, there was a little trash talk before the race where, uh, Keelan and his spotter were like, we don't want you listening to us, Dad, you know, because of our strategy. Um, other promotions, uh, during the, but right before the race, uh, iRacing put out a neat uh, comment. It said, it's like carb cut, but with pros. Don't miss it. Yeah, it's a, that's a pretty good description if you think about it, other than the cautions, um, which I think uh, when I was watching the race, it was like, okay, they got to a point where, like, we're not going to have cautions anymore towards the end. And uh, I think it was a time thing, but but yeah, that's a pretty good description. Carb cup with pros. And so, what do you think of the race, Brian? Uh, we have a few key moments here in the script where, uh, so there were some wrecks. Um, I guess it was pretty normal. It looked like a regular NIS race. Yeah, I kind of thought it was pretty much uh, what you would see on any uh, NIS type of uh, restricted plate race. Um, I tell you what, uh, Boyer was just just a hilarious to listen to his commentary was just great he's so funny um so uh, that was a, that was really entertaining he was he's in the cars doing these races too yeah it's a little slapstick for me i mean it is funny but i just wish there was just a tiny bit more seriousness going on with this race um because fox is kind of making it out as a joke almost and 
I, I just, I don't know. I just wish there was a little bit different spin on it, you know. Uh, but there was a great video of, of uh, Daniel Suarez literally driving through Clint Boyer. Uh, pretty classic. But in the end, it was Brad Keselowski who survives and uh, claims the win. Now, that's not the story of the race. It was really Davison um, up there. Now, Davison, he was an IndyCar driver, and he's run some Xfinity, I believe, and stuff. Uh, I don't know why he's in this race, but he was, and he had the pole, and he kept it. And I think he led all but just like the last four laps. He got shuffled at one point. Davison's the guy who lost you. He's the pro that we... Uh... Davison's the pro we were racing against in the uh, 24 Hours of Daytona. He is their lead guy. Right. He's also recently switched his uh, focus fully to NASCAR. He's not doing Indy anymore. He had a good run, though. Um, and Garrett Smithley was up there forever, um, I think, running third. Um, and then Kyle Busch in fourth. And uh, guess what? I mean, the top ten really didn't change spots throughout the race. It was just like uh, Talladega NIS this week. It's hard to pass. If, if you pull out a line, you're going back pretty much. Yeah, you got to have a lot of cooperation if you're going to run a second or third line there. I think that that uh, Davidson pretty much showed that, you know, if you could get in the front and stay on the bottom line and nobody really forms up on the outside, you got a really good chance of, uh, you know, being there at the very end. Something something we might want to think about going into Talladega this week, that's for sure. Another thing I was kind of interesting, uh, they were calling it the Geico 70. It was a 70-lap race. Um, I don't remember the other race having a uh, you know commercial sponsor. Did, I, did they have Geico something like that? Yeah. I don't remember them having a commercial sponsor on the last uh, pro invitational race. I could be wrong. No, not on that race, but, I mean, Talladega normally has a sponsor. They're the oh, yeah, Geico absolutely. 500. Right, right. But they added the Geico 70 you know, for the iRacing event. So the way I kind of know how finances work in uh, broadcast NASCAR, but for for Fox to call it that, that means Geico paid Fox some fee, or Fox would have never said that. Absolutely, yeah. Or it was built, or if it was built into, um, to the a contract earlier in the season, right? Right. Maybe they negotiated it up front, you know, or. Hey, the track, you know, we're going to try to help promote Talladega. So we're going to promote their sponsor, you know, by saying their sponsors out loud or whatever. Well, and I'm pretty sure they're not going to turn down any sponsorship money at all that they can right now. They're going to grab everything they could possibly get, especially at this time with no fans and things like that. Well, what's a, what's Fox's motivation for this series? Well, it's midweek content that they normally don't have. Um, they already are paying their talent, you know, Mike Joy and everybody. They're going to get paid no matter what. So, um, you know, yeah, it's a money grab. You, you, they're there to make money. That's their uh, that's their thing. My question is, did Gordon and them sign on to do midweek races as well, or is this added in afterwards into their contract? Why do they get paid extra? Yeah, you never know. It's it's kind of it's kind of like fishy stuff like that later on, right? When you're on salary, man, you just do what you're told. Yeah, but those guys are stars. They they're not they're not going to get a change in their deal without them agreeing to that change in their deal. Yeah, it's like how when we have to write David's contract up to come on here. I want to raise. I want to 
1,000% raise. Okay, let's show us what you got. Uh, right now, zero. So I wanted that raise 1,000%. <laughs> I think that's still zero, Dave. <laughs> that was my transition to the next story. <laughs> it's Dave's turn. Really? Did we talk about the YouTube video? Yeah, there's a NASCAR actually on their official YouTube channel. They they posted all the highlights from that Talladega race. So yeah, they're getting involved in a in a big way, you know, putting it on their main main YouTube channel. So um, yeah, just just more just more NASCAR backing iRacing and their series and and showing them that there's a quite a quite a lucrative par- partnership between the two companies. One thing I noticed during the broadcast was the no iRacing logo during the race, like in the bottom corner, like the watermark, it wasn't there. Right. And we, they, iRacing came out with those new stipulations for that. But one of the things they said about that uh, watermark was that it was a less previously agreed upon type of deal. And, and, you know, when they're dealing with like a, a big company like Fox, you know, that kind of thing's been worked out to where they don't have to run that if they don't want to. The other thing is, after the race, the uh, winning interview with Keselowski, he was complimentary of the package. Uh, he was talking about the bubble, talked about the side draft a little bit. Um, he said it He it felt, I think, something along the lines of it felt accurate. But he hasn't raced in all, all year since the last uh, Pro Invitational. And uh, apparently Ty, he mentioned that Ty May, uh, TJ Majors uh, came over and helped him set up the rig just literally hours before the event started. Then he goes out and wins it. Right, with lo- no practice, so like uh, some of the other guys. We're talking about practice? It's, that's like Mike, you know, just show up right before the race and, and win a damn thing. Except for Mondays, like he shows up and actually puts in laps after so, having run NIS all week. Yeah. Now, now, what's interesting too is about the Pro Invitational this year. The same car has won both races, right? Oh no, Timmy didn't win. No, Timmy ran Brad's paint, but he didn't win. Okay, I, I'm mistaken. That's right. Yeah, I think Brian, uh, William Brian, won, right? Yeah, William. Yep. Well, speaking of paints, uh, this paint is kind of probably my new favorite iRacing style paint. Uh, Majeski's going to Dell's, and he tweeted a video of his iRacing-sponsored Super Late model that he's taking up there to Wisconsin this Sunday. Um, and it looks really good with the with the logo on the black car. It t- typically has been seen more on the either white or red, white, and blue. Uh, I really like this one. It looks real slick. This is definitely different than the other one that we were critiquing a couple weeks ago. Um, because it was a white car with that red or with that green logo, right? Green and orange. With the logo on white is what I remember. Yeah, and now it's on black, which looks a lot better for those two colors to go together. And one subtle thing is on social media, you'll notice the iRacing's uh, logo has changed to a black background instead of white. All right, next up, a uh, mention about the Wild West Motorsports Park in Nevada. Uh, regrettably posted on their Facebook account that they are closing due to unfortunate circumstances and goes on to thank its fans, sponsors, promoters, and race teams. And so that was April 12th. Um, Now we have this track in iRacing for the pro trucks. Uh, iRacing did tweet out a response. While we are sad that 
They are closing in real life. It does live on forever in iRacing. Check out this awesome side-by-side finish for the win from member Jack Breaker. It's it's cool that we got the scan before the you know business took it away. Yeah, and that's that's one of the really cool things that iRacing can do. You know, we've seen them bring back extinct tracks like uh, North Wilkesboro, and uh, and now they they're going to be able to hold on to a track that's no longer there, and so you can relive you can relive that track past its uh, past its ex- expiration date in real life. All right. Next up, uh, we get a picture of from Tyler Williamson, our teammate, uh, out spending his money. Uh, this time, a uh, Authentics uh, diecast Chase Elliott truck, the iRacing Twenty Four, and that was the winner at the uh, North Carolina Educational Lottery Two Hundred. I've uh, I've been to Tyler's house. He's got a pretty really good collection of uh, diecast cars, um, so this will this will fit right in. It's got a lot of cool Earnhardt stuff. It's really neat. I've always wanted to buy an iRacing diecast. I just haven't done it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's time. I keep putting it off, but I'd like to take one of our our actual cars and get the custom diecast. And we have a sponsor who does that kind of stuff over at Elite West. We may have to try that out at some point. Yeah, I was going to say something about that. You know, uh, how cool it would be to have your own car from iRacing in a diecast. Um, and where, does somebody do that? Is there any kind of uh, copyright restrictions that they do when it comes to uh, making a custom diecast? If it's your paint, um, I don't think so. You're selling, like you, you're you, selling it. Yeah, I was going to say know. if it was mass, if it was like a mass uh, amount, they might be consider or not like it but if it's only one or two two products it's not going to be it's not something to go after somebody for right and there are multiple companies that do it we covered one a couple of years ago i believe yeah kyle putz uh does them if you look him up he can uh he can make one for you so okay so if even if you're using a real life product it doesn't matter then huh i don't see i don't think he will turn it down no I wonder if anybody actually has this next one uh, as a uh, diecast collection. But the 40 unique Danicas? Yeah. Uh, so apparently uh, Davin, who's at at DriveThru on Twitter, he says uh, he, le- he live-streamed a simulated 500 uh, Daytona 500 race, but all the 40 cars were different, unique variations of Danica Patrick paint schemes. So uh, the whole race was all Danica Patrick cars, um, all 40 of them. And, and somehow she still man- managed to lose the race. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. That's uncalled for. That's uncalled for. She's got more talent than her left pinky than you do. Oh. Uh, now this is kind no, of that was easy. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of t- time and like spent on painting those because it's not easy to to do that many, especially when you're doing uh, paint recreations instead of just doing something based on lines that are already built into one of the templates. Well, and if you look at like if you look at this like I don't know, there's probably probably twelve of the cars on the screen are pretty much the green very green and black variation like but they're just little subtle differences and on them but you know how much time went into doing all this i i'd like to know how that that answer for that yeah i'm, I'm assuming that he researched each individual uh variation and, and painted it up 
So yeah, he's got he must have quite a collection in his uh in his folder of uh Danica Patrick paint schemes. It's pretty pretty intense. He must be a, a pretty big fan, I guess. Should have put her indie car that she won in at Japan in there too. We got 120 responses of people guessing which one. Basically, they just screenshot and crop in on the one that they pick, and then uh, replied to the Twitter with that picture. And uh, trying to see if there was a winner picked or not, I, I don't see it. But maybe you can still uh, vote. I think it's funny too that they, you know, it's a, it's a Ford and Chevy field all the way through because of the two manufacturers she drove for. But some of the some of the paints are on Chevys that were on Fords. All right, so the next topic we got here, uh, it's the 26 mile an hour death shake. Uh, so Terry Silvers uh, says that when leaving the pits, uh, slowing from for the pace car, or just in general, slowing down to about 26 miles per hour, the wheel shakes like 10,000 times more than any collision or speed bump. Um, he's using a Fanatic v 2.5 wheelbase and i guess he's got his force feedback only at eight um i guess he's put this in the forms and um david tucker has replied and said they're going to work on it so i don't know have any of you guys felt this in the wheel oh yeah yeah when i read this i'm like whoa wait that happens to me i thought it was just me i thought it was some quirk of my wheel or something i kind of ignored it um but when i read this post i'm like Yes, yes, yes. That that happens to me at uh, 26 mile an hour. My wheel will violently shake just for like a second, and then it goes away. Was there a specific car this was in, or just in general? In general. So I don't know if it's a particular, if, is it fan attack, or, or is it, what is it? But uh, yeah, I definitely experienced this. Does this maybe have to do with what last week where they're talking about Logitech taking that uh, true force that screw something up? I don't think so. Uh, when David Tucker said Dave is working on this and he's referring to Dave Kamer, the tire guy. So I think it has to do with tires. Yeah, I, um, I have uh, phonetic stuff and I did notice it too. So I thought it was it was pretty pretty odd that some uh, when somebody else mentioned it, I, I thought it was just something in my own personal settings that was making it happen. But now, now I'm trying to think that uh, it must be a software issue or something. Right. When, you know, these kind of things you think, Oh, I just don't have the right settings or I need to turn down the damping or something, or I, you know, I just, it's something's not right. But then when you hear other people saying the same thing, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's happening. Next, we're going to meet the future of esports. Or better yet, if you check this YouTube video out, you can do the so yourself. YouTuber PenguinZ0, he posted a video of his father who has gotten into iRacing. And he describes his lifelong love of cars and racing and uh, how iRacing was a natural progression. I uh, didn't really get to watch watch the video as I got home from driving bus routes five minutes before showtime. But um, I, I scanned through and it's pretty neat. He's a... Uh, Probably a little older than Mike, I'm guessing. Probably in his 60s, 70s. Uh, but that's one of the neat things about, about iRacing is it allows people to stay in the sport even long after they've aged out. Or, or join the sport long after they've aged out. Yeah. 
it was a i did watch the video the the host of it uh the penguin z zero guy he's very entertaining he's a he really does that has fun with his dad and uh his dad's doing pretty good he's beating like real drivers and uh and have, having a great time he talks about his history growing up he was really into cars did a little bit of racing when he was young and uh you know now he's getting back into it he says he's got his uh the volume turned up really loud so uh it, it, it it's really loud in the house it was, it was a good video it was it was uh interesting because the 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 kid i mean he's an he's got eight million subscribers i don't really know what his channel's about but it's not about his dad and he doesn't know a lot about racing and some of the questions he asks his dad about what's going on are, are interesting. Like, Dad, why is there a three after your name? And the yeah, dude's like, I, I have no idea, too. actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that, too. I thought that was funny. Um, so, yeah, it was those little quirks that you already know about that they're talking about and they're trying to figure, uh, figure out is, is, is entertaining to watch. Yeah, I definitely uh, hit home for me. It reminds me of me and my son a little bit because um, when my son's over here and I'm trying to tell him about iRacing, this and that, and he doesn't have a clue, you know, what we're doing. And But, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty identifiable to the older uh, generation. Uh, neat video at a Penguin Z0, I guess it is. Next up, we have a poll. John Flowers opened up a poll in the forums asking members uh, what feature they'd like to see next. And so results he put down, well, the options for voting were rain and wet track, flat spotting of tires, ambience, like winning and wrecks, new damage model on all vehicles, or improved tires. And uh, we got a tie pretty much, three-way tie pretty much, uh, between rain, flat spotting of tires, and improved tires. It was say flat spotting of tires would be more important on the road side. It wouldn't really have a huge deal in the oval side of it. Really? Rain. Well, you're not. Yeah. You know, on an oval but track, how many times on an oval track are you going to lock up your, and flat spot exactly. tires? Yeah, when you're avoiding wrecks and stuff. Yeah, road courses, you can do it on any turn pretty much, right? And but, you've not been in a short track race with me then before. <laughs> <laughs> chatter, chatter, say, chatter. Martinsville and Richmond, come come play at those again. I was going to say, I think the flat spotting maybe should go with the improved tires in general, kind of as a as a whole. Um, but I don't think we're going to see rain and wet track for a long or a little while here. Um, I know we're going to cover it in a bit here, but I don't think you're going to see that. That's probably one of the bigger undertakings they're going to take here. But it's good to see that, you know, people are wanting more of the details of what makes the racing good rather than kind of, you know, the ambulance and the atmosphere, the amb ambience and the atmosphere stuff to take a backseat to it all. There, there's certainly a, a theme week to week this year. People want tire changes, man. Got to get off those bricks, right? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if we're looking back at what was the V6 tire versus the V7, but uh, I think people are reminiscing a little bit. Maybe they should feel what the original felt like and then feel happy that uh, we have a tire model. I'm surprised the new damage model didn't get more votes than that. I, I would have thought that would have been pretty popular. With, uh, 
with people taking this poll. I think the damage model, the hardest thing is they're so far behind on the amount of cars they have, right? They're, you're, it's going to be easier if they get caught up and when they bring new cars in to just add it with the new car as they come in. But what are they, like 65 cars into this, 70 cars or more? And I think it's just, it's going to be difficult for them to ever catch that up. Yeah, and then they uh, then they release a couple every build or something, and then well, sometimes they they pull them back back off the off the table too. What was a uh, one of the things that somebody wanted to vote for, Brian? That wasn't in the list. Yeah, one of the things that um, that uh, pe- people added to their wish list that wasn't on the uh, poll was that they wanted to be able to host AI races. So as of right now, you know, you can set up an AI race and race it on your own, but you can't host one to add other drivers to come join your AI race. So if I wanted to host a race with a buddy of mine, you know, we'd have to just uh, put it out there and try to get people to join. Whereas with AI racing, you could set up like a full 40 caller field or something and just have you and your buddies race with all these other uh, AI cars. And I think this is something I would probably vote for more than anything else on the list because I think it has a lot of potential to keep people interested in different ways. All right, so, but my question about this is, you know, why would someone want to do the hosted AI on iRacing if like NASCAR Heat 5 has it, you know? I mean, what would be the difference there? I, I, think, the, I think the bigger difference, Kyle, is what people are wanting to do is getting a full field like what we had when we had the other night when we did our hosted session we you know your host hoping to get 40 people in if they don't get in you should you know have a way of adding ai to fill the field so you can have an enjoyable race right i got you okay so that would be cool or, like if it's you, you put up a hosted race you only get 20 people join and right before qualifying all it adds 20 more ai people so you have a field of 40. i just think that that's that would probably be more enjoyable for some of these leagues to, you know, to just, you know, you guys race. I don't know that Monday night race is a league. Is it a full league? Is it full? Almost. Almost. I mean, you notice by some leagues, by the time you get to the end of a season, it kind of drags off. If you could keep the field still there, kind of balance the points up. Because I always found in, in a league race is like, okay, if you get 40 people show up at the beginning of the season and, you know, when you're trying to run for a points championship, you know, you get the points there. And then when only 20 show up, if you have a really bad race, it kind of screws up points and things like that to, to tally for you. I just think if you had AI, it might help those leagues out a bit. That'd be cool, I think. I mean, 37 people show up, let's add three AI so we have a full field. But then I was thinking, well, you go through this league race. What if one of the AI wins? <laughs> Just means you guys aren't good that race. I, I could just I could see that happening if they went like an AI race at you know we got Coda coming up in a couple weeks. You know if you had AI and with a bunch of guys that aren't good at road or something, and AI would just maybe trounce everybody. What about the rain? Well, uh, Stefan Jones asked in the forums if the rain had been uh, put on the back burner because you know we haven't really heard about it in the last little while. Um, and Tyler Hudson replied that they um, definitely are still working on it, but there's so many variables uh, that they're looking into to, to do it correctly. It's going to take them time, and that's what I was saying uh, before. It's 
if you think that the tire model is is one thing that they're trying to get right, like trying to get a tire to work on wet in the rain and surfaces change, because you're going to have, like, if you think of, you got standing water, if you run through a puddle, the different braking zones, you got to run on an outside line. If there's a dry line to try and keep rain tires to cool down, like there's so many different variables that you got to think of in a, in a wet race, like the grass, like if you get off into the grass, is it going to be, tough to get out of the grass more than it would be to in any other race. Like it's, there's, there's just a lot of variables. I'm excited for it. Um, you know, Tyler did mention once it's done, people will probably avoid rainy weekends after the new wears off. Well, and I, David, I don't know if you saw in that uh, post there when they had the poll up, someone suggested, would you like to see road have cautions uh, for some of the road events? Or do you want to, or are you thinking maybe do it the way that some of those leagues do it? Can't hear you. Yeah, well, so many incidents causes a caution, like automatically. One, one way or the other, definitely. Um, it's just that it, there's a little bit of dullness to the, the endurance races when you can't pack the field back together, right? Uh, the certain number of incidents is a good way. Uh, they could also have something to, where they try to determine if a if a car is stuck on the track for a long enough amount of time, or they could have it just if after, if a certain number of incidents happen within a period of time, right? There's several different ways that you could decide whether or not a caution is warranted. But uh, as we were saying before, I'm curious what the staying power of, uh, of wet tracks would be, you know? It's going to be a, a novelty at first for a while, and it'll probably get a lot of participation. But you know, are people is that what people are going to gravitate towards if you know the if the novelty is worn out and you have the option of running a wet track versus a, a you know a dry track, or well, you know what you're saying there, Brian. I think what what might happen is that the uh, you might not even know you're getting into a server at some point that it's going to have rain. Like, are we going to have a, a weather report before you sign up for a race so that, you know, is that a possibility of rain coming in that event for you? Or are you not going to know until you get into the race or what? Like it's imagine if you signed up for two races in the week and there's like, say there's like an NIS, say there was a road course and they have rain. And there's what four NAS opens. What happens if you only can race two of them that week, and both of the ones you have happen to get into end up raining or something? Yeah, if it generates randomly, you mean before a session opens up? Um, yeah, and and what if what if that happens, and you find out it's going to be a wet race, and you're like, I really don't like doing the wet tracks. I'm just not going to do this race. Is that going to hurt participation in something like that? And uh, think about how some of the cars that are really, really hard to drive lose uh, lose out in popularity. Yes. So, you know, uh, from what they're saying is this is a, a, a large undertaking to really get wet tracks and rain done properly. You know, what if they put all this time and effort in this and it turns out to be something that people don't really want to do after they get after it's been released? I think what what needs to be the majority of what's going to happen with the the rain is obviously uh, hosted sessions would use it mostly, and then you'd have to sparingly use it 
in in, in mixed in with whatever events you can are able to do it with because the other thing is is all these tracks are different surfaces and things like that so I just think that the to try and get rain under the amount of different things that are in iRacing, it, it's it's probably their biggest undertaking of all of it compared to like besides doing a tire model. But I think if you if you use it sparingly, it won't lose its appeal. But if you all of a sudden throw it at it's like uh if you threw like when you did a Coke Speedway, if you ran it all week or had it for a first couple of weeks on it and you kept racing and racing, and racing, it might lose its appeal. I think if if you just get it in there right and with the right cars, you're probably better off. But you're right; you, you could lose uh, its appeal, and then what was the point in thousands and thousands of man hours working on it? How do you decide what's sparingly? I mean, I think in official racing, you would maybe have it triggered off of real weather in real world at a particular track. So you're at Kota; it's uh, early May. Uh, it's May 1st, and it's raining on Monday and Tuesday. So if you run Monday, Tuesday in the sim, you're going to have rain. But on Wednesday, there wouldn't be rain, you know. And it literally follows real-world weather. That yeah, way, it yeah, is sparingly. It is real. Okay. Let's do like uh, Tiger Woods games. They, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but they would put it to where if you wanted to play on a certain course and you, you know, whatever the time of day it was, whatever the weather was like, it had a live update, and you would play in those conditions. Using a, using the real weather update will work for the series like NIS that are strictly going with the real schedule. But your A opens, your IMSAs, uh, they don't always line up with the ske- real life schedule. Well, then you look at previous year. Um, and what stats. I was think, what I was thinking, Mike. Okay, what what happens on a January morning in Montreal, in Canada here? It wouldn't be. I, I hate to tell you, snow, right? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be rain that'd be falling. <laughs> now, could this be something they run and run beta through just hosted sessions only for a while just to test it? Uh, the, I'm sure that when they uh, when they release something like this, this would be this would be like the damage model. There's going to be taken back and fixed. It. Like it's probably it is such a. It's almost like its own engine type of thing, like to try and get it to work because it's 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 a separate. It's a, it's a whole separate thing. Like most of the time, we're used to cloudy or sunny. That's it. Now you got it. Now you're changing the whole physical nature of the whole event for every single track and every single car that it's possible with. Well, I kind of agree that maybe not back burner, but there's other things that are more important. Um, I, so that pretty well covers that. Go ahead, Brandon. I was going to add one quick thing. I think it could be really interesting in these endurance races when you're you have a 24 hour session and the weather can change during the race. I think that could that could prove to be a little bit more uh, more uh, realistic, not realistic, but more exciting and something you have to cope with in a long race like that. Yeah, that would that would put strategy and who you put behind the wheel too, right? Right. Like yeah. If you only had one person that was like really comfortable racing in the rain and say in the middle of the night it all of a sudden started raining, is that person available? And you can and you can um, you know you might have to plan pit stops around changing weather situations as well. Uh, do you remember how much trouble the real cup car guys had, and when they went to the rain, the first time? Oh yeah, yeah the, when they had when the when when the uh, weather started changing in the middle of the race. And they had those rain tires on. They were just ripping them apart. I think the thing with the the cup cars and they're realizing it now is 
they have a rain tire that was built, I don't know, it's like 10 years old for the technology that they have in it. They have no technology in it. Like if the technology that goes into those IMSA cars for the rain tires would be, you know, would be a lot easier to to cope with and, and wouldn't be as bad. The cup cars aren't built to run yeah. in it. It's not just that. The cup, the other thing that's in those IMSA cars is drivers with rain experience. And also a lot of downforce. Yeah. But let's move on. Uh, patch notes. We have some, we had a recent patch, season two. For, uh, this was patch four, right? Got a lot of little updates, some stuff with the UI banner. The clock's easier to see when you're in the dark mode. Uh, they made some adjustments to race series where you can see when the race week actually starts. They've also made it where you can see um, how many people are required for a race to go official in the UI now. Um, and what's interesting, I didn't, I actually didn't know this. You can actually still gain safety rating when a race doesn't go official. I thought that it once it didn't go go official, that it was a complete just race if you want and not worry well, about it. still counts, yeah. It's kind of like yeah, a time trial. So that's that's good to know. And the next time you happen to be in a race that's unofficial, might as well uh, soak up the safety rating, right? Um, they fixed an issue with the time of day bubble that was not showing up. Uh, several issues in hosted racing. Uh, something to do with weight penalty. Uh, as well as how it was showing up on the racing schedule. They did some work on test drive, helped out the league, and fixed an issue with an empty column in the paint shop. I think the release was really for this next one, David, though, uh, to turn back on the TrueForce Logitech stuff uh, because they had to turn that off. Yeah, they also brought back the damaged model for the Arca car. Um, and then there's a, some gearing changes in the cup cars for Darlington for Darlington mm -hmm. and a couple of uh, adjustments to advertisements at Kansas and Dega. Yep. And so that was a uh, patch four. And then today we got patch four hot fix one uh, that came out this morning. Uh, there was an issue where they would crash to the desktop when moving from practice to a race server uh, for some people. And um, so that was a significant issue. So they did put out a hot fix and they did revert the Thrustmaster uh, one wheel API uh, display. Uh, so that new Thrustmaster wheel we're gonna talk about later in the show, it has a display. He had to turn that off because it was causing problems, but it's just temporary. And I just covered the system crash. So next up, Summer Bowl, Greg. So uh, the E-Racing Association will be sponsoring the uh, EPM Omega Cup on the 10th to 12th uh, at Coda with a $5,000 prize on the line, or for prize cash on the line. Um, so this is uh, it's interesting to see um, with a, 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 a big cash uh, prize like that, wow. uh, I think... I think Morley and I both said that we're going to throw our hats into it and go race here because we this track. I don't know if David said he was going to do it either. I'm way behind on everything right now. Last couple of weeks at work have actually been pretty hectic. He's down okay. 20 races a day. 
May 10th through the 12th, Coda. Go, go back and actually look at my results, and you'll, you'll see. It hasn't been 20 races a day at all. All right, next up I got the SRF. Uh, Greg West announced in the upcoming Season 3 update, the Spec Racer Ford will be transformed into a third-generation race car with an upgrade to the chassis and performance of the new model. Um, he gave some other details of what those significant changes are. There'll be a new radial tires using the latest iRacing physics model. This includes updates to match closely to, to more closely match the Hoosier measured sizes. Uh, there'll be more horsepower, um, 135 versus 105, so about 30% more. The overall vehicle weight is reduced 7%. Um, there's a new six-speed sequential dog ring gearbox that replaces the old five-speed H pattern. Temperature-sensitive brake pads for the first time on this car. And the car model was developed with the help of top iRacing sim and real SCCA drivers. The baseline setup was developed with input from real-world and sim development drivers. Lap times are roughly 5% faster. Now, what grabs my attention on that is temperature-sensitive brake pads. That's the first time I've actually heard that as a factor in iRacing. Well, and that sounds like you're going to have more of a, an input on how well you can, like you, the driver can determine how well his car is going to operate uh, if you can get those brakes at op optimal temperature to, to, to race that race. Like if you what? abuse the brakes or something, then they fade because they're too hot? Well, and like if you don't get them hot enough, like you, when you have cold brakes in a real car, like a real race car, if they're when you go into and put your foot on the pedal to try and stop it the first time in the corner, it ain't gonna stop. It's not, it's not instant like we're doing right now. Like even the cup guys, when you see them rocking back and forth, up and down, just trying to get some heat in the brakes, because that also gener generates heat into the tires and stuff like that too. Yeah, the rocking back and forth is for the tires. All you got to do is accelerating. I'm accelerating and braking yeah. all you got to do is accelerate and drag the brake while you're but i've we've no i've never heard of that really making a difference in the cup car um well so. i can speak from experience on that one because well i won't say the cup car but in i racing i know it makes a big difference uh nine times out of ten if it's you know a mile and a half or smaller i'll drag the brakes on the pace laps and one you hear the brake uh change from a high squeak to basically nothing and you can actually feel the difference uh when getting into the corner yeah, but are you thinking that you're? It's it's the first time I've heard it actually deal with the actual temperature. I'm wondering if you if you're what you're feeling is it's they may change the squeal, but is it actually changing the the tire pressure, which is giving you the sensation that it's different because you can generate heat through the brakes into the tire model. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see any real time information that says it's you know upping the air pressure as it's building heat. Um, I just know that I can actually feel a difference getting into the corner. While we're talking about brakes, we have a YouTube video talking about brakes. Uh, Driver61 Sim Racing he posted this one. And he basically talks about mistakes that you might be making while braking. And back when we were at Daytona Road, I actually went ahead and took a, uh, took a lesson with Bobby Zielinski on, on the Daytona Road course in the cup car. And the main issue... That he found with my with my lap was the braking, uh, not not the accelerating. It was what was causing me to to over 
compensate with the accelerating. Uh, so this is a good video to look for the major mistakes that you're going to make when when you're breaking it a road course. And it, this guy is is using sports cars, but it, it'll help taking that cup car under the road as well. It can't hurt to watch it, that's for sure. Well, and he's using a, a different... Is he using a different push-to-talk button? You cut out, Greg. We didn't hear all of your sentences. Oh, I just said he's... Uh... He's just using different sims. Yeah, Driver61 has a, a regular channel and a sim racing channel. He's like a, he's big into um, F1 and stuff like that. And he has a lot of good videos on his regular Driver61 channel as well. But his sim racing channel is, is separate and has a lot of good tips like this. This next track is just really hard to remember where all of those breaking points are. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, coming up is uh, Greg, West, Greg West posted in the forums the details of the upcoming 24 hours of Nürburgring, uh, which is this weekend, uh, including some balance of power updates that were coming. Yeah, we've talked about this on a previous show, I think, but this is just a reminder that, hey, it's, it's this weekend. Yeah, so uh, there's four different time slots uh, starting Friday um, afternoon until Saturday morning. Um, so typical, uh, endurance race, uh, D license 4.0 or better. Um, the sim time of day is, um, uh, start time is 2.45 PM. So, uh, you're going to have a mid afternoon start. It's going to go 24 hours, obviously. Um, so, uh, looks like, uh, as far as the balance of power goes, the BMW is going to take a 1.5% hit to uh, power adjustment. Uh, fuel capacity is going to be at 99% on the BMW. Uh, Mercedes has a 99% fuel capacity. Uh, in the GT4 cars, the uh, BMW has a 96 or 98% um, fuel capacity. Uh, the GT4 Porsche will have a 5 kilogram weight penalty. It's such minor changes, you know. Uh, it, may, it amazes me that they come up with these. I mean, the amount of data they must pour over just to figure out what to, wh which car needs to be changed and by how much, you know. Yeah, because you're talking just a couple percents here and there on different things. Well, and I think this has come off of, uh, I think it was Spa that uh, David and them, they had that advantage with that McLaren. They could go, McLaren would go an extra lap over all the other GT3 cars. And that's where these balance of power things come in play, where they have to get it just right so that there is no advantage like that. The thing I thought was funny looking at this, uh, Brian, it's two laps, but they give you 25 minutes to complete the two laps. Yikes. Yeah. Just the out lap alone is 10 minutes or something, right? <laughs> You're basically just getting it done, I think, between all three. You would, I think it's 24, it would be 24 minutes. I think it's like an eight-minute lap. No, isn't this the track where they start you near the uh, end of the lap? Oh, yeah, they would, wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, that's good that you don't have to run a whole lap warm-up. Also, when you're practicing, if you reset, you don't always go back to the very beginning of the track. So uh, nobody here is doing that, correct? Are you doing it, Dave or Greg? I, I'm just not interested in learning that track yet. This seems like something down the road. Maybe next year try. Maybe get a guys to four or five guys to do this, but I I don't really have any interest in trying to run and learn that track. And it would take. It's not something I could just jump in and learn it. Yeah, it would take 
several months to get it down right, I think. Last year, they were talking like they were going to need me to run it for Elite West. And uh, oh, it's, it's just so frustrating. Um, you know, I think it took me two hours to actually set an, an, an incident-free lap where it actually set a lap time for you know over two hours of just constant mistakes and um as soon as richie said we got it covered i i, I was you know i threw a party or something i was pretty relieved <laughs> yeah you gotta practice something like that this this race might have a lot of good bloopers coming out of it so should we nominate for some bloopers now we'll just uh i guess uh fox sports uh i racing coverage got uh, for their pro invitational series I guess this is from last season. Um, got nominated for best esports coverage um, in the category, so they're going up against uh, things like Call of Duty, uh, League of Legends, Overwatch. Uh, so you know that's some uh, heavy hitters to try and go up against in the esports category. Uh, so I don't, you know, I don't know if uh, Iris or uh, Fox will win it, but it's definitely good to be nominated. For outstanding esports coverage, uh, pretty cool to see iRacing get nominated for an Emmy. Um, who would have thought? You know, uh, you know, less than a you know a little more than a year ago, they weren't really a broadcaster. You know, if you don't count the Coke series, but uh, here they are, uh, maybe going to win an Emmy. The broadcast might have gotten nominated for the Emmy, but the racing shouldn't have. <laughs> so. Take away the fast repairs. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was kind of interesting. All the other um, nominees, like the Call of Duty and all that stuff, they're all like YouTube, Twitch, and YouTube, and ch- Twitch stuff. Uh, the iRacing is the only one that's actually like a broadcast uh, production. Uh, so I wasn't even, I didn't even know that the Emmys would go to a Twitch or a YouTube um, a product, you know, presentation. Right. It's probably just because Twitch and, and YouTube are such a big platforms now, right? There's, they probably consider it as its own, you know, it's it, obviously they're their own channels, but um, to have, like you're saying, to have its own network series in there with where the more, more popular streaming places are, it, it, it's really odd to see it there, but it's, it's kind of probably flattering for Fox too to get in the mix of the streaming part. Yep, and so uh, congratulations was out on the Twitter um, to NASCAR, iRacing, Fox Sports on that sports Emmy nomination for the outstanding esports coverage. Uh, I was thinking, who's going to get the trophy, though? I mean, I think it should be Drew Adamson. And he's the guy doing the, the, the nitty-gritty, right? Uh, there's, there's probably all kinds of things in behind there. There's people that we don't even talk about that are probably part of that that get it as well, right? Yeah, not not to mention, doesn't isn't the guys at iRacing in their own separate booths uh, working in conjunction with Fox on these? So you know, wouldn't wouldn't they have some some part of that as well? Exactly. I don't think it just. I, I think it's. I don't know. Is it Fox that's nominated? Is it iRacing? Is it both as a as a a team? But yeah, it's definitely a team event. I mean, Drew and his team were uh, producing the video out that was being shown, and then Fox is overlaying, you know, uh, vocals and and different and 
scoring over top of that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the nomination says, uh, you know, for Fox FS1, but, you know, that maybe that just refers to what platform it was broadcasted on, not necessarily who produced it as much. Well, it'll be no different than the, uh, the other things that we're talking about in that nomination about YouTube and Twitch. You know, they're, Twitch and YouTube aren't, are, aren't producing it. It's someone else that's producing it. Twitch and them are just the one that, or, you know, that they're just providing the video output, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Twitch really doesn't have anything to do with that other than giving them the platform to produce their show. Well, we have a YouTube video here next. It's uh, actually a full race. Guess who's back? IRX is back. Yeah. We have the, I, we have the IRX All-Star Invitational. It's presented by Yokohama. And it was kicked off at round one at Brands Hatch with the first win going to the French driver, Johan Harth. I actually watched uh, some of this. I kind of caught it by surprise. Uh, and uh, I was entertained. It was fun to watch. Yeah, it kind of snuck up on me um, when I saw it in the script. I hadn't even heard that it was uh, starting back up. Um, they had some uh, some drivers that we would know, like Kevin Ellis Jr. from the Porsche uh, E Cup series or Super Cup series. Uh, Vicente Salas was in this race, so um, yeah, had some uh, some guys from some of the from the uh, series we're, we've been covering. I was gonna say the the rally roadside the dirt roadside is pretty much one of the more under under talked about part of iRacing like there's the reason that this snuck up on it is just dude, we don't talk very much about the rally side of iRacing it's it's got less and less coverage now as the years gone on with it they've added tracks but we just don't seem to have much going on with it yeah this is a good two hours and 20 minutes of coverage I didn't watch all of it but what I did watch was entertaining. Um, I hadn't seen um, this particular track. It's one of the newer ones that I haven't purchased, um, and it was it was fun to watch. Uh, you know the the suspense around the Joker lap is really a, a key in this kind of racing. Is uh, hey, who's taking the Joker and when? Is like that is the strategy, you know. Brian, I'm really disappointed you didn't actually give me this topic. I was going to uh, shoot it over to you once I got started there, Dave, because uh, uh, this came, comes from Parker Kligerman on Twitter, and he tweeted a poll as to whether or not sim racing is a workout. So, uh, Dave, why don't you give us your thoughts as the res residential Hercules? No. However, be careful about turning your force feedback too high because you can suffer a repetitive stress injury from it. I had to spend about four weeks rehabbing a forearm tweak after doing a long race at a short track in a, kind of an IndyCar style uh, car where it was just so much frequent turning. By the end of the race, my, my arm was hurting. And then I turned around right after the race and went to the gym and did some deadlifts. And for the next four weeks, had elbow issues. But... You know, it's a combination of just overuse. Generally, it's not exercise as compared to actually being in a car, a real-life car, or at a gym. Well, I don't know. I work up a sweat. Yeah, that's right. Come come to the gym with me. So 1,400 people voted, and 63% say it is a workout. And I personally will say it is a workout, but not much, just a little. 
Well, what do you define as a workout? Does a workout have to be physical? Because there's a lot of mental that can go into a mental workout. It's exa- it's putting exertion on you. I'm definitely working on the guns over here with my DD1. I thought it was when just trying to get your wheel off the off your base. I can't do. I can't rip it off if I try. <laughs> I bet you Dave could. Um, no, I think it can elevate your heart rate. Maybe if you want to consider that a workout, I, I would consider it like a strenuous workout or anything. But you know, it can elevate your heart rate, and it can give you a little bit of a um, little Cardio. arms workout. Yeah, give your arms a little bit of workout if you have strong enough uh, feedback on there. But other than that, I think it's. I, I would say no. I would say, yeah, breathing and heart rate will increase, like if you're walking or a a slow jog or something. I was going to say, this seems like the same argument that we have with, like, other sports. Is is racing a a sport or thing? It's like, is 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 racing, sim racing physical? Well, it depends on the type of person you are. Some people could be more physical, too. And then someone, like, the, the difference between David's body type and my body type it could be more physical for me compared to David, right? Well, I mean, I, I get a heart rate up, but n- not anywhere close to the same when I'm on a drum set, right? Or, or even just even just walking around. Uh, real racing, what makes it physical is the G forces and the temperature, right? Uh, Dale Jr. was just talking on his podcast how he'd lose five to ten pounds per race just in water weight. Right from sweating right. it out. If you were asking me about real racing as opposed to sim racing, I would say definitely. Not only is it a workout, but it is a physical activity. I'm not. I'm not. What I was saying is, it's the same type of argument where you get the people that it is a workout for, and and then the people that say it's not. That that's all I was comparing. I wasn't saying it was like it was actually like real racing. It's I, anything that you're doing. Any yeah, but- anything. Technically, anything that's over normal body, like when you're turning the wheel and you got some resistance to it, you're technically working out. It may not be burning a lot of calories, but you are still working out if there's a resistance to uh, to anything at all. And you're doing it for a, a span of time. And, and I know the direct drive wheels have now changed the game for that too, where you're a little bit more. I just think that something like this is you're getting people like, well, it's not the big honking working workout that I do at, at in the gym where I get I lift six hundred pounds and I'm I'm a big buff guy. You know, it's it's a different it's a different thing. It's no different than someone taking, uh, you know, stretchy bands to to work out and and create a little bit of resistance. I, I just think it's, it's it's however you want to interpret it is is the way it is. I believe it's a workout, and someone might not believe it's a workout. Let's talk about what's broken, or is it broken? Well, and you guys are going to have to be the one to help me with this, because I haven't yet been able to get into one of these races. So I don't know if you want to take this one over, Mike, instead, and and go through it, just because you guys, you have firsthand experience with it. Well, is the Talladega package broken? Of course, we're talking about it in the forums. There's at least two forum threads. Uh, Brody Anderson posted up, he thinks the new draft package is garbage. It turns a race into a giant game of follow the leader. His sentiments were affirmed by several others. So what do you guys think? Let's talk about the package this week. Well, I'm going to throw my two cents in on this one because I've done uh, four races at Dega, 
And it has literally been follow the leader until the last two laps. And then people start breaking off to try to make moves. Other than that, um, a lot of checking up. Um, just I don't know if it's the bubble or what it is, but you feel like you're just going to come up and you're just going to ram somebody in the back end. And you may not, for the most part, but you get that sense of it. So then everybody checks up. And then, of course, people get all out of whack. But then everybody just goes right back to single file for 70-plus laps. It gets kind of boring. David, you had a really specific feedback about starting on the outside in that second line. Tell us what you thought. Yeah, I I started off hating this package, and now I'm in a position of mixed bag because last night some decent stuff went some stuff went pretty realistic. We did have some guys that were able to get lined up and with about six or seven cars and and then get a run started and take it all the way to the top and then one of them dove down to the bottom and the others kind of stayed about third row or fourth row for a little bit and then a wreck happened uh so i don't know if it would have been saying so you can make the outside work if you line it up and set up a perfect run but otherwise everybody's diving to the bottom and if you start on the out and on every restart even at the end, it's just a race to the bottom to see when you can find a hole. And if you get, I restarted second in the race, and everybody close, everybody was just diving to the bottom. And because I was right up there next to the leader, and third place got a really good start, I couldn't get back down until sixteenth. And nobody, you know, nobody was staying out there. Is that the package, or is that just the fact that everybody thinks it's the package because it can run out there? I think it's close, but I think something needs to be done to make the outside just a little bit more even because right now especially on a restart if you're if you are 10 rows back before you've even gotten to the back stretch there's something something not right there now my question is do you think with this package and we were reading a note there that they said that this was worked on by actual cup cup drivers and our pro drivers and to work on it and, and they said it's pretty close do you think the overwhelming majority of people complaining here will get something changed on it or do you think we'll have to adapt and learn uh more with it well it uh morley pointed out that it's really not too dissimilar from the 2017 2018 package uh and this is what you used to have to do was basically just ride on the ride in single file on the bottom line and wait and hope uh you know and that happened some in the in the, the previous package as well, but you you could have two lines maintain side by side racing, and you still can in the truck. But I still haven't seen at, uh, starting with a restart a race where where both lines are able to stay. And I, I really you really almost need about fourteen to twenty cars willing to just test and see if the the outside line is ever going to be able to stay beside the inside line because if it can't stay beside the inside line when they're equal in numbers it's not realistic yeah maybe it just needs tweaked i don't know but i i honestly i i ran a an a fixed uh early in the in the week um and i was dismayed that you couldn't pass and i was concerned i mean normally you guys i come into talladega and i'm like 
dude, I'm going to win. I'm going to kick butt. I am so confident. I was not confident. And you got you guys heard it. I was telling everyone, man, I'm worried. I'm worried. I was telling Greg, I, I'm really worried about this week and how we're going to finish. Uh, but it worked out, and I had a good finish. But it wasn't because I passed anybody to the right, that's for sure. Well, is it also um, – is there a – the Coke race there this week or next week? Is it there or is it somewhere else? Oh, somewhere else. So they're not even they're not even going to be able to see if there's a difference in the Coke series uh, racing compared to some of the splits that we're like we're we're in. I, I'd like to see them race it on you know televised to see what it it, it actually does for them. But um, it's kind of concerning that it's changed so much. But um, I don't know. Did did we feel the same way at Daytona when they first released this? I never raced this package yet, so I don't know. No, I think it was well, no, but I mean they had it so that you could use it at Daytona, right? The one week? There was a week during the regular 12-week season where I think there was a restrictor plate where they released it. So we got to try it. I think it was three weeks ago or something. So we knew what we kind of had an idea of how this week was going to go coming in. I don't no, know. I, oh, well, I was just going to say, I, I, I think maybe it was broken before, even though it was fun, funner before because you could pass. Maybe it wasn't realistic, you know. And you know, Brad Keselowski pretty much said this is how it works. Well, see, like for me, like I raced. Uh, it was an A open, and I was. It was like two to go, or three to go in second, and I didn't feel like I had you know enough to even get around first place. Had it not been for a lap down car that was a little bit ahead, I was pulling his draft in a car behind me, I would have never made the pass to get the win. So, I mean, it may be realistic, but it seems like if you don't have, you know, someone going with you, you're not going to do anything with it. All right. We got a couple quick hits and we got to move on. We got a ton of hardware. Um, the first quick hit here is help wanted iRacing is hiring a quality assurance tester full-time. Man, I'm tempted. But at the bottom, it says you do need to be available to work at the Boston office. So that means you have to live there. Who's moving? <laughs> I'm not moving. <laughs> and then, David, uh, four hours of Charlotte. All right. Greg West has announced that we have the four hours of Charlotte special event. It's going to be iRacing teaming up with the National Multiple sclerosis society on saturday july 31st and they're going to add this brand new race to the special events calendar it's going to be the first or inaugural four hours at charlotte benefiting the national ms society and it features the global mazda mx5 the rs3 audi the porsche 718 gt4 as well as the bmw m4 gt4 and the mclaren gt4 all on the uh, charlotte muller speedway and it's running it's going to mark iRacing's first partnership with a nonprofit organization for a special event. Uh, so this is going to be pretty neat. This is, I think, is the first endurance event at Charlotte, as as other than maybe the the endurance Le Mans series, but the first one that's really on the special part of the calendar. That'll be a that'll, that should be a cool event. I kind of I'm looking forward to maybe we get a team together and run that, or two, at least two, two people of us. four hours. Yeah, that's almost that's almost the the class of cars that you see in uh is it the michelin pilot series except for the mx5 yeah, like the I think. Challenge yeah. series. sign me up 
Yeah, they're doing this a little different than a typical special event because there's fat, two fast repairs in there, and there's some prizes too. You can get a, a SimLab Race X Pro chassis as a as a prize, or a uh, Fanatic uh, Club Sport Wheelbase 2.5 and a Podium steer, Steering Wheel uh, R300. I guess they have a uh, check. Does anybody want still want that 2.5 with the recent <laughs> we news? We have there yet. Don't spoil the news. I was going to say there's a uh, I guess Spoilers. I guess is going to be headline some of the special guest celebrities that they got too for the cool. broadcasts. All right, uh podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Get it. It's a separate feed. And don't forget our new website iracerslounge.com. You guys can visually follow along to what we're talking about. And we uh have a coupon code over at Midwest Simulations. It's iRacers Lounge for 10% off of your spotlights. We are on the Performance Motorsports Network and Brian Fantasy. All right, guys. So uh, after this p- past race at uh, Richmond, Res Dog is still at the top of the leaderboard. Looks like uh, Adam Jesslin is in fifth place. He's probably the top, top Tafosi guy, I think. Um, uh, Greg, you're back to 11th now. Didn't you drop a drop a position? I think. Yeah the uh, the uh, not pa- I pulled the uh, the Mike Ellis. I had put my stuff in or put my drivers in, and then just didn't even watch the race. <laughs> well, uh, Tony Groves sitting at 13th. Uh, Mike, you're down to 16th now. Uh, Tony Rochette's at 18th. Jed Al McFly. That's Chris Scales. He's 21st. Um, Stephen Lou Allen's at 27th, um, and I am pulling up the rear again, 32nd place. Oh, don't I worry. Went, I'm actually sitting 40th, so I just started in last <laughs> week. Well, I've been doing the whole season. I haven't missed a week, <laughs> and I'm in 32nd. So, uh, yeah. Who just, are you just picking? Just terrible. I went, uh, I went pretty chalk this week, and I still did, didn't do all that well. I don't know. I got a lot of a lot of top drivers left over, so I'm hoping at the end of the year I'll be able, be a little bit better. But just remember, they it resets at the playoffs, so use and, up your use up your heavy hitters with ten to go. Gotcha. And I don't I don't watch the races in live time, so that kind of messes me up too. I can't make garage adjustments or anything like that. I do watch the races, but usually later in the week. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Are we ready to talk some hardware? Sure. All right. We're, your uh, choice of assigning topics is pretty interesting again because you're the motion guy. So I guess I'll just read the headline and then it'll let you talk. Um, we've got Scorpion Series uh, PT actuators. They run 4,000 or 5,000, and I'm guessing that's for the whole set. Yeah, that was um, that's the whole set. Um, these are recently upgraded. Uh, Barry Rowland did a review on these on the Sim Racing Garage. You can look that up. That's still on his uh, YouTube channel in the Sim Racing Garage. And, uh, you know, these are pretty high-end actuators. And, um, yeah, so $5,000, it's it's on the high end for price-wise. price, price wise. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can check those out from uh, the, the Scorpions are now available for ordering. They just, just became available. They're cheaper than the D box. Oh, they're way cheaper than D box. Right. Well, we had we had one last week that was uh, uh, about a thousand dollars less than this. Right. Yeah. They're all over the price wise for those. Um, 
But I think uh, the hardware market just got remade, Brian. Let's uh, tell tell us what what happened this week. Yeah, Fanatic was um, had been teasing uh, this new product that they uh, that they were coming out with. It was kind of really hard to tell what it was, but um, just from their teaser, this is just a red light on a button. But it turns out it's going to be a new CSL direct drive wheelbase. So this is going to be we'll call it a uh, you know a, a entry level direct drive wheelbase, um, but the price point is at three forty nine, which is I mean there's no other direct drive wheelbases anywhere close to this. Um, so you know you're obviously going to be sacrificing a little bit with that price point, and it looks like the biggest thing is the strength of the wheel. Um, it comes stock at a five newton meter um, strength, where like uh, the DD one is I think fifteen, and the DD two is twenty newton meters. It's so it's twenty twenty five. Twenty and twenty five. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, so it's 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 a lot lighter in the strength. It's not going to give you that super strength, but you know, it should give you the fidelity that direct drive wheels come with. They do make a power adapter that will bump it up to eight uh, newton, uh, newton meters so that you can uh, get a, a different power power supply that'll make it a little bit stronger. So, so uh, yeah, this opens up a lot of possibilities. I know Tyler from our team, he's running a G27. He's been, uh, he's been, thinking about getting a, a DD1 and now he may reconsider with this thing coming out and, you know, save some money and spread it out on some other peripherals that he's been looking at. Oh why, yeah. Why wouldn't you like in the market now, what's a, uh, in the States, what is a, a G9? What is it? The nine, the, the Logitech that's G29. Right yeah. What, what is it worth right now for that wheel? Three hundred, So you're looking at you're gonna you can get a direct drive base. I mean, obviously it doesn't come with a rim or anything. So if you're already a fanatic customer and you have something else, you're, it's a bonus. So you basically get a new base for the price of a, of all the lower grade uh, lower grades uh, belt systems, right? Yeah, yeah belt driven yeah. stuff. Like it's, yeah, exactly. This this right here, I we expected when I started watching the video, I'm like, oh, okay, here comes a seven hundred dollar wheelbase to try and be a different price point for it. And then as soon as that three forty nine comes across the screen, it's like, how? How are they? How, how do they make it like that? But well, yeah, fanless. Yeah, so like my direct drive wheel, it costs what eleven hundred dollars for it, and it's only thirteen newton meters. So you know, eight isn't that big of a deal to only spend you know. I guess with power supply, you probably spend about $500 total. The other thing is David and I, you know, we have the DD1. We don't run these at 100%. We turn them down so they don't run at that 20 um, in you, M. You can't. Yeah, you can't run it at 20 or 25. You can, but it's, There's it's no not. Way. Yeah, it's, I mean, I have done it for a while that way, but, um, but realistically, you can't. But. But what we still, what we we will still have is stronger peaks. So we're going to have a little bit more resolution and less clipping than than this wheel will probably have. But as far as sustained feeling, um, it would be interesting to be able to actually get to test them side by side in, in rigs and and see if you can actually feel like like you're missing any of the details. Like when I'm running at Sebring, that thing is shaking like crazy, right? Going around sunset. So. 
it's got a power button on the front, which was one of the teasers, which I really like. And it looks like a more robust power button than the current DD1 has on the back. It's fanless from what I I understand. Um, and it's got that same look and feel as the DD1 and DD2. Um, it's just shorter. The other interesting thing is April 1st, April Fool's Day, they literally tweeted out a picture of this thing and said April Fool's. Yeah, it was the DD 0.5, right? Right. So, guys, just to give you a, a comparison, their um, belt-driven uh, belt-driven um, V2.5 is uh, $549 without right. rims or anything. You're not going to buy that. Ever. That's the thing. No. Those drives are going away is what everyone is thinking. Yeah. I, I mean, that's as good a belt drive uh, wheelbase as you can get, but still, it's $200 more than the direct drive now. And nobody knows what the price point is for the increased power supply to get to the eight nanometer uh, uh, version. Uh, you know, how much more is that going to increase the 350? Um, what are you thinking? Maybe like 149? What, maybe 100, 149, maybe 199? I would say 100, maybe 150. I'd be surprised if it's 200 more. I mean, if you get five nanometers with a $300 wheel, I guess maybe 100 to add three extra nanometers, right? Yeah, all you're adding is the power supply. It's still the same yeah. motor. Yeah, I know. You're basically uh, overclocking it type thing, right? Right. Which, if I bought it, I would want that increased power supply. I'd pay the extra Yeah, I think it's worth it. Because um, when I did have that uh, CSW 2.5, I would max out, especially in the turns, the force feedback would be maxed out. And it would go from, I would lose all fidelity once that, you know, if you bring up that screen on iRacing that has the uh, the force feedback meter on it, it would max out and you could feel that all the fidelity had gone away at that point. Well, and the, and the other thing with this is, is the motor designed at like, obviously is it at eight nanometers and then downgraded to five or are you, is it a lower one that you can kind of push it a little bit further? Obviously it's got to be, at the eight probably right and then just downgraded because of power i think well, there's two different power supplies different delivering different amounts of wattage well the 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 uh, dd1 and dd2 are basically almost the same are the same exact motors right it's they just are. how much power they have right so it's pretty much i think that's pretty much the same deal you just just a different supply of power uh increases the amount of power output that it has detune it you know like the dd1 is detuned down from the dd2 this is going to change the the wheel market guys uh there's a lot of discussion this week on facebook groups about this product and a lot of people are like man i want to get it a lot of people are also saying based on fanatec's reputation recently on how they handle stock and that kind of stuff that you're not going to be able to find one of these to even buy them well and and if you think about it, they kind of just did this after their competitors started release. You know, VRS just dropped their their hat into the field, and they've kind of got theirs out, and it's at a higher price point. Now you've all of a sudden taken it and changed the market. It's kind of a a different thing here. But you're right, Mike. Like I was, I, as soon as I saw this, I said they couldn't get enough direct drives made for it. Imagine something at this price point. They can, they won't get this stuff made. They'll have an initial batch that's going to be like you know say they have like five or ten a thousand made right off the bat that they can sell and then trying to get supplies after that would be probably it'd be on back order 
Well, yeah, I, I, I do have a feeling they're going to have supply issues when they, they finally do release this. So I think I VRS, get in early. Yeah, VRS and the other uh, Sim Experience, uh, the other wheel manufacturers like those, um, even they got to be quaking in their boots when they see this, you know, because I think their market share just got taken. Well, it's the quickest, ra- you know, quickest race to a cheap direct drive, I guess. It's like, it's kind of like if, imagine if, you know, we talk about, you know, what we had just above this, we had the, um, the D box stuff. Imagine if that all of a sudden starts dropping in price, like the first one to make a really good price. One of those, it's the same thing of all these different, products once you once you get the pro the right thing at the right cost you can take the market share like you're saying mike yep and another thing this was uh fully compatible with all the other fanatic stuff you know their shifters and pedals that that the other wheelbases are now in the interest of time i'm going to jump around guys uh greg we're going to jump to the thrustmaster uh launch as well and let's cover that one Give me one sec here to get down to it. So Thrustmaster had been teasing. We hadn't we, we didn't know when they were gonna release it and all of a sudden uh, I guess the t- We lost your mic. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. It's because of the button I think I'm using today. Uh, anyways, on the twentieth of April, uh, Thrustmaster officially announced their new add-on wheel, uh, the Ferrari uh, SF one thousand edition. Um, now this I I had seen some um, videos of it or not videos some images of what people thought it would look like and this is the kind of quality that they kind of needed for um their f1 an an f1 type wheel or gt slash wheel for uh for that thrustmaster base and um i'm glad that they've thrown their hat into this and added this uh rim to all the thrustmaster uh customers out there oh it is it looks great and it's full-on Ferrari like when it turns on you get the big old Ferrari uh, logo emblem on the screen and then the carbon fiber and everything it, it really looks like a high-end wheel well and the fact that they have the LCD screen like that's or the, the nice screen showing everything on it um, and it works seamlessly if you look in the video here now David Tucker posted up some information about what he thought about it he said it's a direct competitor to Fanatec's McLaren GT3 rim, and it's rumored to retail at $350. And this is the one where I was telling you the LCD panel, uh, that he has a conflict with the API, but he has he's working with Thrustmaster, and they're going to have a patch in place soon so he can re-enable the uh, display. It's it's interesting that you, see, you hear uh, on a new product like this for... for- comment about it right they don't normally just come out when they see something like this and comment about it, but obviously because that api thing is kind of crucial to iRacing, they've uh um they have to he's made a comment about it right yeah absolutely and uh, he also mentioned out that anybody looking for a hand controls um this really suits the the bill We're going to jump on to results because it's been a 
a big week, so let's get to it. We got uh, NASCAR iRacing Series last week, Richmond. And uh, guess what, guys? I won. P1 on Friday. In my first win of the year. I ran top 10 all night with no incidents. I, I But couldn't catch the leader. And I even had better tires. But at 50 to go, he pitted and I didn't. And it went green from there. I was waiting for him to come back up through there. Um, but he couldn't make it. He never got back up through there. So... What a relief to finally get a win. I've had a really bad start to the year and uh, I've just choked on a bunch of races. So, boy, I mean, to get it done at Richmond, really happy with that. I was ecstatic. David, you got P11. Yeah, it was top split. A lot of tough drivers. Garrett was in here just walking away with the race like they did. It. Or no, it wasn't Garrett. It was Vicente, actually. Was just walking away with the race, right? Nobody nobody had anything for him. Um but I was car 27 and just uh, even had a four wide moment that Vincent posted. Uh, I didn't realize it was four wide, but the car in front of me, he got uh, he got loose and I just barely avoided actually even clipping him. And in the process, two other cars ended up beside us and then came up with a nice four wide picture. I enjoyed Richmond. I ended up not getting home in time to run Sunday, but uh that it, was, it blew my mind. I've never, I've never had such a good week at Richmond. But this, this week, something with it just clicked with me. Yeah, same with me. I don't know what it was. Um, I happened to uh, race with Tony Rochette. Uh, we were in the same split this week. Uh, he ran with me and he got P five. He he got caught in some wrecks. Uh, he missed time the pace car on uh, getting damage fixed, fixed and was three laps down. But he came back, uh, comeback kid, uh, made his way through there, back to the lead lap and landed another top five. And uh, it was neat to share that win with him. Uh, we got to do uh, burnouts, uh, nose nose to nose at, at the start finish line after the race. And, and uh, it was real fun. How about Sunday open, Brian, P4. Yeah, it was a good run. I, um, I actually screwed up qualifying. I didn't practice enough with the qualifying set, and it was a lot looser than I was expecting. So I started like midway through the field. But the the set, the race set, I thought was very was stable and and pretty quick, and was good on long runs. So you know, just by staying consistent, staying out of trouble, I uh, worked my way up to second at one point. But wound up settling at fourth after um, after kind of a late restart it didn't get a great restart so uh, i'm pretty happy with that finish okay tony rochette p11 man richmond fun to race but i got used and abused this morning got wrecked three times 16x and 17th after the checkered going through the grass on avoiding a wreck at the line kyle p7 um yeah let me go back here catch up on where i was at again yeah we were yeah, actually in uh, the same split yeah, we were, weren't we? Uh, I started out in P11. had a good run until about halfway. And I just couldn't keep the tires straight. Uh, fell back to the 20s. Was able to work my way up to P7 in the final 10 laps. So, all in all, it was a pretty good race. Uh, struggled there for a bit. Not too bad. A top 10. All right, Sunday fixed. Uh, Brian, P14. Yeah, this race was quite a bit different than the one the earlier in the day. Um just in the racecraft, people were just really over aggressive. A lot of yellows came out. You know, I got tied up with, in a couple of, of, of other people's messes, you know. But, um, and then uh, on lap 120, I came in to pit and I had some damage. I got new tires and was working on the damage. Um, 
I pulled out to stay ahead of the pace car and then I cleared my tires on the exit of the pit road and came around to uh, get some more damage work and they changed the tires again. They used up my last set of tires with, uh, with 80, 80 laps to go. So, um, but it didn't hurt me too bad because there's so many cautions in those last 80 laps. My tires weren't getting worn out, but, um, I just, by the end of the race, I just wasn't fast enough with those old tires. People had changed them um, uh, along the way. And uh, I wasn't good on restarts. One uh, one of the a guy in front of me on a restart ha- had old tires and spun out, um, you know, spun out on, on the restart. And I didn't want to do that. So I wasn't getting great starts with those old tires, but held on to a P14. Um, I was car number 34. So I, I felt pretty good about, about that being uh so low in that field okay and then tyler williamson p13 started dead last and kept the car clean for the most part most passes were done under caution or in the pits the longest green one we had was about 35 laps with everyone struggling to pass and keep traction talladega wednesday open david p12 yeah, um, believe it or not, through some staying on the bottom for the early race part of the race and good pit strategy, I uh, made it moved, worked my way towards the top. Didn't qualify very, very well. Uh, then towards the end, I got that situation where I got hung out to dry from P2 actually with a late caution. Uh, then I had a guy just dive under the yellow line and to take me out. Uh, car was down about 20 RPMs, but. Uh, I got lucky on the green-white checkered with a lot of other people having trouble and managed to sneak back up to 12th. So, decent day uh, up up in that split. Decent points. It wasn't top split, but still, it's good enough that I can kind of just run the next races relaxed and not worry about, oh my god, I gotta get a decent finish before the week's over. Tom Dryling ran with us. He rucked out early. I'm not sure what happened with him. Bobby Jonas ran with us. I don't remember how he finished. But I'll tell you how I finish. I win P1. Of course I won Talladega, right? Yeah, but that's two weeks in a row. Richmond and now Tally. I actually ran top five all week, all, all night. I never passed anyone on the right side at all. I basically slowly gained positions through pitting and pit strategy. Led the most laps all the way to the end. Uh, there was a late caution for a green-white checker I did not want to see. Um... <clears throat> But because it had me on fumes, if there would have been another one, it would have ruined me for sure. Um, I need to say thanks to uh, fellow driver DB Bowman. Uh, Check out his Twitch at twitch.tv slash DB Bowman. You can actually see my win there. I owe him a case of beer. Uh, He didn't race me at the end. He was uh, P2. And he basically blocked for me uh, and said, hey, no worries. I'm not going to race you. Uh, it's yours to take. Uh, I'm, I'm good right here in second. Uh, class act. You don't get a lot of people in NIS who uh, won't wreck their grandmother to win, and, and he's one of them. So thank you, DB, for allowing me to win. I think he knew that I was going to do whatever it took to win. And uh, with him being in second and we can't pass, it would have probably wrecked all of us if he would have tried to win the race. And and I think he was smart enough to realize that and didn't do it. Um, I think the winning move was the last green flag stop. Um, he actually got up next to me as we were getting in pit road, but I still beat him off with a great stop. Um, that was one of the winning moves. The other one was when I took the lead initially. 
the only way I, I did it was Tony Rochette. I mean, having a teammate in the race was vital, especially here at Talladega. Um, we were on the outside. He got behind me, and I could barely even hold the wheel uh, without wrecking with him right on my bumper pushing. But he did push me clear to the lead, and I pulled down. I thought he was clear, but he didn't pull down. Um, and so from that point on, uh, nobody could get by me, and I won the race. So thank you to Tony and DB for uh, helping me win. Uh, Tony ended up P10. He said, helped Mike to the lead on the restart where he stayed and I fell back. Uh, late last restart, cars in fronting wrecked, uh, killed my momentum with the lead pack. But still a good top 10. Then Thursday uh, open, we ran uh, this morning. Uh, I ran and got P4. And I completely choked. I forgot to change out the Q set. I lost a lap taking the tape off. Uh, eventually, I got a lucky dog and worked my way back up. Good fuel strategy put me up front near the end, but just had a bit of damage. I think it was like 20 seconds, and it's, I, of course, couldn't pass at all. So P4. Uh, Tony, he got P9. He said he got his annual Dega pole. He got pole position, along with the fastest lap and led 14 laps. Uh, <clears throat> a non-caution wreck in front broke me away from the main pack and my four car line couldn't regain their track position. So P9 for him. Let's talk official racing. Uh, Kyle, why don't you start off? I know you want to race. Uh, yeah, actually it was the uh, A open. Um, I got uh, started, well, I got P1. I started out in P11. Uh, I was the 29th car out of 29 cars. So I was dead last of the field. Uh, ran top 10 until the pit cycle uh, and got up to about P5. I just waited my time until the last caution with 12 to go. Uh, was able to draft my way to second and just rode there until the last lap. Made my move to the high side, actually on the back stretch, and it took me all the way until about 300 yards for the tri-oval uh, for me to get around uh, first place. If it hadn't been for the guy behind me pushing and for the draft from a lap car, I probably would have never got that pass to get the win. But it, it was actually a really good feeling to win again there in Dega. Yeah, that was a good win. I, I think I saw part of that on your stream. Um, I also ran early in the week. I, I mentioned that before. A fixed. I got a P24. And, it, and this is where I was really worried, you know, because I couldn't pass at all. I ran fifth the whole race and then caution at the end. So it was green, white checker. Uh, the guy was starting third, thinks he's going to let his buddy in. So he like totally checks up. And I end up running over him and we all just pile up in the wreck. So don't be that guy. Let's talk league and hosted next. Uh, fast Track Sim Racing League. Uh, I ran P11. Uh, I was running better than that, but got caught up with a yellow after my green flag stopped and ended up a lap down. And there were no other lucky cautions, so that's all I could get. Uh, Brian, this is the one you were spotting for me. Uh, great spotting, by the way, and it's certainly a lot funner to race when you have a real spotter. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun doing that. It's the first time I really spotted uh, for a full full race like that, and uh, yeah, it was it was quite a, quite a quite a treat. I, I think I'm gonna do more of that. And then Mike Moore, Morley 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 Mike Morley wins. Uh, him and Adam were up front uh, with another couple guys, and they were the cars to beat for sure. And uh, 
Adam gave him a run for his money, but Mike got it done. Well done, Mike, on the win. Adam ended up P3. Good run for him, too. It's fun to run with those guys. Uh, then we had UCRA at Chicago. David, you missed the race, but I ran. Ended up P6. Great run. Considering I'm usually not very good with those guys. They usually, uh, I'm out to lunch. Uh, but it was nice to get a nice P6. Uh, Brian, tell us about the truck series, OBRL. Yeah, guys. Uh, so the OBRL trucks were at, um, uh, this is the uh, Aftermath, iRacers Lounge Aftermath truck series. And uh, they were at um, Talladega and uh, Steve Thompson goes comes away with the win. Uh, second place goes to Coco Puffs. Good run for Coco there. And then uh, Andrew Hess uh, finished in place. And Steve put on his Facebook, this is his first restrictor plate win. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He, he, um, whenever we're in a restrictor plate race with him, he always starts out, starts out in the very back. You know, he just kind of cruises around through most of the race and then tries to make a run at the end, uh, which is kind of hard to do, but, uh, he managed to get it done this time. One more race I ran hosted. It was the Chris McGuire hosted Michigan old cup car with no plate. Man, that's a great combination. P7 in that race. Uh, I sure have fun with those guys uh, and hosted. Come join us out there. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder. GridFinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Okay, and with that, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Uh, let's see. I made a new purchase this week. Um, I wound up getting a uh, MPI, uh, the Max Pappas, the 15-inch oval rim. What? I really like to look at that. So yeah, I'm gonna it's uh, up. It'll be here probably in a week or so. I'll check it out, and I'm gonna get a uh, one of those podium adapters, the hubs for it. So I'm gonna have a separate for that one. So uh, looking forward to getting that, and uh, looking forward to getting some Dega races in. I haven't hit that track yet. Are you going to try to figure out like a push to talk to mount on the wheel or? Yeah, the uh, podium hub has um, plugins for the uh, the buttons, and I have a couple extra buttons from the uh, universal hub. You know, the universal hub usually come with four sets four sets of buttons, but I only use two right now. So I think those buttons are going to work with the uh, with the podium hub, and I'm going to try that see if it works. All right, I'm officially jealous. David Hall, final thoughts. I'm going to bring it back up because somebody else brought it back up in in our forum post that we've had going for a while. Costumes are broken. It is just ridiculous how you have to kind of just guess, is the costume going to come out or not when there's cars stopped on the track, right? Um, but for some reason, this issue hasn't gotten any kind of answer in tech support or through the forums. And I know multiple people that I've chatted with that have sent it in as a, uh, as a tech support ticket. So cautions are broken. Okay. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Um, I'm just, uh, I've been real busy painting up a new car for, 
the uh, cup races here this week and hopefully can debut it tomorrow night and uh, enjoy racing with it. Um, but yeah, I really haven't had much racing in the last seven days. I've been working stupid amount of hours and just can't seem to stay up anymore late in some of these nights. So Friday and Sundays it seems to be the only time I can race. Okay, very good. Kyle Pendygraf, final thoughts. Um, uh, sorry, I wasn't uh, too involved tonight. Uh, just a little under the weather, but uh, next week I uh, hope be better. All right. Uh, my final thoughts, man, I can't believe I won Richmond and now Talladega. And can I get another Talladega win before the week's over? We'll find out. But uh, after getting my win last night, it was all about getting Tony his win today. And I told Tony, man, I am on your bumper. I am not going to pass you. You are going to win this race, and we're going to figure this out. But we tried. It didn't work. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a real pleasure to race with teammates, uh, to have Tony there for both of my burnouts at the uh, end uh, at the checkered flag. We got some nice video for social media. Uh, go check out my TikTok, and you'll see it. But, uh, man, confidence is high, you know, after a couple wins in the NIS. Uh, I'm just cocky as all can be and just loving life. So with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.